this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Okay, I did it. Yeah. I did it. I hit record. Oh, shit. Here we go. Is it? It's happening. Is mine recording? I can't tell if it's. Yes, it's recording. Okay. Record a Maru. Welcome to Feature Creep, colon. Building microwave, semicolon. Uh, One where we once again read through some of our suggested titles and uh, (laughs) probably don't pick any of them, um, but uh, hopefully that will be fun for our listeners. Um, speaking of, if you're, if this is your first podcast, welcome. If this is your 175th or I don't know what number we're on, also welcome. <laughs> um, if you've been listening to a lot of them, you already know what to do, but we're trying to get the email up front. So if people want to email us, they know right away and they don't have to listen to the very end to get the, like the, the itty bitty bits, the details, <laughs> the deets. So, um, Dana, our amazing, uh, CEO and founder, um, she'd love to hear from you, so you can email her, and it's dana at fcbm.io, and you can send whatever the fuck you feel like, and yep. she'll um, send it our way if it applies, or you can go to our website where uh, Meg, you and I have our um, emails on there. So I'm Ned, mm-hmm. that's Meg. Um, hey. Woo, here we go. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and what is our website? Right, fcbm.io. Good job. Nailed it. Yes. And you um, can go to that if you don't want to use a streaming service. Right. Yeah. Like if you're getting ads served at you, um, you can just go to our website and play podcasts directly from our website in your browser. Or um, we also have an RSS feed. And we need to talk about that at some point. I don't think I'm. I, right. Just a brief thing about that is if you don't even know what the fucking RSS feed is, um, there are feed readers that you can use in different contexts, whether it's on your phone or on your computer or your toaster or whatever, and they can um, tell you when there's new podcast content or some other kind of feed content, and um, and then you can listen to it through that particular read reader or player, depending on what you're using. Um yeah, so that's all I got on that. But anyway, um, but we are ad free, so um, if you're hearing ads, you're you're doing it wrong. <laughs> uh, you're not. You're not. You Some d- something's amiss. Something's amiss. You don't need to. If they bother you at all, you don't need to. At least with right. our content. So here we go. Um, you don't have to live this way. Right, and then listen to the very end for our very first advertisement. There's no advertisement. Wait, we're sponsored by. We do want to. We we well, since we're just this is a rambly one. We're talking. We're gonna. We'll go through some of the uh, podcast topic ideas we've had in the last couple of months. Oh gosh. Um, we so this will be Meg and Ned reliving their um, wonderful chat memories. Um, yes. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I wonder, is there some way to count the total number of words that we've published to our chat over the years? I imagine there is. I don't think there's a direct way. We use Google Chat, which has moved around to various different, um, mm-hmm. been called a few different things. Uh, so, But none of the chat logs are actually lost. And I think there's a way to get the full chat log, which means that we could download it and then do, like I could whip up a 
script that would process it to give us kind of fun statistics like that. Probably worth doing at some point, but yes. Yeah, I would be amused like to just see how many books worth of yeah text messages we yep. sent back and forth. Yeah, my um the person that I'm with now, we uh, I actually for one of our anniversaries, um, we text a lot, like prodigiously, and mm-hmm. um, because we don't live together, and so it's um and she spends a lot of her time like really occupied with a lot of other stuff going on in her life so texting is a very like convenient way for us to like share moments in our life mm-hmm. and um i for one of our anniversaries i downloaded our chat logs and like went through them and like picked out like really good sections where we'd had nice. like really nice conversations and then i printed up a book for her so um that's a great project yeah it was i i was uh, pretty proud of it i think she it, it was received well so that's so cool. Yeah. I uh, I I always uh am not like I'm trepidatious of bringing anything from the past up because I have memories that latch on to other memories that are mm. not like the secondary memory maybe like traumatic and horrific even though the primary memory is not and so right. if it gets brought up it's like oh that was great. Oh, but that happened with this. Yeah, and you're like, oh, oh, I wish I didn't have to remember that. Yeah, I um I know that that is I mean that was part of like why I didn't just like like give her a like a printout of all the of our text. Thing. It was like, you know, I went through it and was like this one and this one and here's where we like, you know, discussed the date that we had or the things like early in the relationship that were like really very fun and like new and um uh-huh. you know, things like that. So, um yeah, but I I know what you mean. Like it's definitely a little bit fraught. Um I, I, one thing I, I think I appreciate about our relationship is that, uh, you and I, like we have in our chat logs, um, doing the usual search for, so like the way we do this is we just, we're texting each other and we'll preface like a a possible podcast title with the token or the string FCBM or underscore FCBM. And then that right, way, so then we can search it easily later on and like just look up like, oh, where's our where's our little indicator? It's basically like almost functions like a hashtag. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it almost functions like a hashtag. And so then we have this really great chat log. And then also, I'm never I'm never like worried about like fishing through our chat log because we don't seem to generally cause each other too much harm. Um, <laughs> right. We try not to. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah so uh and so anyway so without further ado here's some i should just send this to you and you can skim through it as well let's see how do i do that can i send the link to the search in in the search i think so if you click that does it pull up a ridiculous list so so here's um so here's one. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So I liked your. Uh, so on in March, like in March, you said, uh, "Here's a title for you." Okay. <laughs> Brain interpretations. One word. Brain interpretations. That's great. It is good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and a little pretext to that was, uh, I think I I think you'd said something and I was like, oh, I always read demonstrably as demon monster rabbly. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, so, you know, my my brain interpretations, which you then said, that's an amazing, an amazing. Uh, yeah. 
So here's one. Long live conceptual art, comma, rest in peace, Dan Graham. Oh, Dan, yeah. Dan Graham was a conceptual artist, hence my title, um, who died on February 19th. So not that long ago. He was a really interesting guy. Um, he was, uh, if you look him up on Wikipedia, it says that he was an American visual artist, writer, and curator in the writer-artist tradition. In addition to his visual works, he published a large array of critical and speculative writing that spanned the spectrum um, from art theory and reviews of rock music. Um, he made magazine-based art. He did a lot of work on cultural phenomena. He did video art. Which makes me think of, oh, that's Knox Harrington, the video artist. <laughs> yes. Um, and um, he did like like big sculpture structure installations. Yeah. He did stuff with like CCTV. Um, so he was like, he did some really cool stuff. And I don't know, he died recently. He was a, he uh was kind of an interesting looking guy. He had like a a beard, kind of a bushy white beard and like short white stand up hair. And uh-huh. he, in this particular picture, he's wearing kind of like a weird Hawaiian floral shirt. I mean, it's just like yeah. not who you think of when you think of like um, it doesn't strike people me who take themselves too serious. Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say not too pretentious <laughs> and not too, not you know the right amount of seriousness right for yeah for yeah. you know making it making it on the long haul i feel like if yeah. you're just too serious it's like you're just gonna burn out like i i don't know yeah yeah um i've noticed at my work lately that like i i am clearly like a less a less serious actor i get like i feel like that that isn't um like I'm serious about the work, but yes. when we have these interactions, like I, nobody, like everything just feels like so fucking like clinical. And I'm like, mm-hmm. cause we, you know, it's, I work remotely. So there's really very little opportunity to like have the more sort of cultural emotes that you might, you know, find in the, in the workplace. And so yeah. I, I, you know, like we use um, various chat systems and ways to communicate email written um zoom chats etc i'm just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. why is no one laughing at some of this shit like i know like shit goes down and i'm like can we just like laugh about the absurdity of like how ridiculous this thing that just happened is and then and you know like we're gonna solve it we, we're solving it and usually i try to wait till the end of the meeting so like everything's wrapped up it's like it's good i'm not gonna just like start yeah. in with like dumb jokes to like derail everything um, but it's like, you know, it's like the maybe end of you should, <laughs> maybe I should, maybe have you tried this before? Because I, I, I've, I've seen other people do it and I, I, I get why that would be really irritating because like you, you know, I don't know what other people's agendas are and like they have, you know, the, like anytime there's a discussion on a zoom meeting, like usually there's somebody there who's like, this is a big deal for me. And so yeah. I'm definitely not. Um, if I call the meeting and I start the meeting, like I might, I might do that, but I'm not going to like go into somebody else's meeting and like start with like, <laughs> "Hey, everybody, look at me doing this dumb thing." Whereas, start, yeah, start smearing shit all over. <laughs> yeah, the walls. start smearing shit all over the walls. I wait till right. the end and then I smear shit all all over. Perfect. The walls. Yeah. Um, yes. No, but I, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, when I you think- really want to end a meeting? Just smear shit all over the walls, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> 
Ah, this is what mm-hmm. we've been missing our whole lives and why we've been stuck in like meetings sure. that never end. Right, right. It was uh, the poop that was missing all along. Yeah. Um yeah, and I I like it's I think this month I've had a weird turn in my at least in my current trajectory where I'm working where um it's like meetings have gotten more like more efficient i so I, mm-hmm. I hate the idea of efficiency where it's like okay like we all need to be perfect robots but um it does it does feel like they're less people are w- like waste like not wasting each other's time as much like it feels like oh i'm like oh i'm here for a purpose i'm not here because yeah. someone else needs me to see that they know what they're talking about like you <laughs> right. know what i mean like <laughs> It's like, can we just assume that? And then if it's not true, like we'll, you know, adjust and make, make changes. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, cause I, yeah. yeah, for a while there I was like, God, like we're, we're having these meetings where it's just like, we're just listening to this person, like talk about things so that he can feel like he's talking about fucking work. Whereas like the rest of us are like, yeah, but we could just be writing code right now. Um, yeah, we could actually be doing, yeah, work. we could be doing the thing that you're talking about doing. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, Dan Graham. Oh man, I'm I'm both delighted to yeah. learn about him and bummed about our our sort of cultural loss of that artist, but he's left he's left some fucking cool shit. Um there's yeah. his artwork is is pretty great. Like there's a lot of sculptures, I would guess. Like I it's hmm. I I'm trying to like kind of describe like it's definitely um visual yeah, there's um he some of his work is featured at the Walker Art Center and it's a series of mirrors that are at right angles to each other and they're you can see through them but they also reflect. And so oh, depending so like on a one-way where, mirror kind of idea. Kind of, yeah. So like when you're standing amongst these vertical sort of mirror windows, your reflection appears in a bunch of different places. Oh, cool. And is like, it looks almost like a, um, like a hologram, like in the movies or something where you're, there's an image of you, but also it's translucent. And so you're there, but not there. Right. Um, and it's a really cool effect. So like a lot of his stuff has, is like that. It kind of makes you like question what you're perceiving um, or it shifts your perception in a strange way that is not normally found in nature. Right. Or, um, yeah, he did some really cool stuff. I, I am a huge fan of conceptual art yeah. and I, I was just going to say that and leave it at that. But then I thought, well, that's really boring. Like what if people are like, what the fuck even is a conceptual art? Yeah. Yeah. Like um, there's a, um, there's a sort of metal. So there's a piece in Stuttgart, Germany, uh, that he created in 1993, mm-hmm. uh, called the gate of hope. And mm. it's a, um, so essentially a, th- a three sided pyramid. Well, oh. it's not a complete pyramid. It's sort of, um, it's sort of chopped on one side so you can walk through it and then there's it's sort of made up of these like smaller triangles and some of them seem to be filled in with also that kind of reflective sort of semi semi reflective mm. mirror um mm-hmm. it's uh i would say how big is it so it's i'm just kind of like looking right now let's see so um oh, the the wikipedia page on it is in german 
Um, Excellent. <laughs> let's see if I can parse this. So I think that it's uh, roughly five meters tall. Um, so what's that? That's like, like six yards, five. I forget which way. Um, so 16.4 feet. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So five, five and a half, five and a half yards tall or, you know, 16 feet high. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then it's just kind of this like bilateral triangle that then kind of like, like reduces down like a like if in if like if you had a funnel like you think yep. of a cone and then you lay it on its side but then instead of a circle projecting the cone it's a triangle like a equilateral triangle that projects a cone then mm -hmm. that's kind of what it looks like and um and it's i really love this photo it's kind of i i recommend people if they're sitting around right now and you can look it up look gate of hope um in stuttgart germany or gate of hope hope dan graham g-r-a-h-a-m uh and look at the photo it's kind of the i i like it i think what i like about this is that um it's just in this like it must be like in this park or like on the side of this path that yeah. kind of winds down on the side of a park so there's yeah. kind of a hill with some trees and some building i can't see off in the background and um and then there's this this gate of hope artifact that dan graham made and mm -hmm. it's it's looks like it's made out of stainless steel. Um, I'm assuming it does. Yeah, it's very like it's not quite chrome. Like it's not reflecting tons of light and super right. shiny, but it's some kind of like silver industrial metal type. Yeah, and and then if you look at it, like it's got a little bit of graffiti on it, and I like I like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think I like that just because it feels like. Um, I don't know. It feels like it's just that's where it is. This is where it's, you know, this this thing that this man has built is like, you know, been people have visited it, you know. Right. Yeah, I do see that. Uh it's just like um like graffiti tagging. That's Yeah, kind of yeah, like, it's not like some, you know, m m like magical work of like, you know, street right. art. It's just like various tags. Someone was here. Yeah, someone was here or, you know, um I don't I'm not very up to date on German mm. street tagging. So it, but. this kind of reminds me of that pyramid that's over the Louvre. Oh uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like just, just uh -huh. kind of like it's not completely the same because it's not a, like a, a full pyramid. The one side, well, two bits of it are open. One full side is open. And then that part that's truncated and cut off is open so that it's like a, a, Right. A doorway inside of a doorway or whatever. Yeah. Um. It's it sounds confusing as I'm saying it now. Like, just Google it. <laughs> just just Google it. Just um, Google this cool art piece. The what is it called? Uh, Gate Gates of, of Hope. Gate Gate of Hope. Gate um, of Hope in Stuttgart. In Stuttgart. Yep. Yeah. If you go when I typed in Gate of Hope, it like popped right up. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah, I like that one. I um. I sent you a link to a picture of the installation that he has at the Walker, which, as I mentioned, is all at right angles and is very boxy oh, and square yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But um, it uh, it is neat and makes this sort of like four way reflection. Uh huh. Um, because there are mirrors that at one point in the sculpture they're positioned in sort of like a an X or a cross, and so if you stand 
inside you're standing at the in the crook of a 90 degree angle with two other walls pointing away from you in the opposite direction and so you have a bunch of different reflections of things um around the ground what you're standing on this guy it looks really cool yeah and yeah it really um, looks cool i looked up what conceptual art is oh uh it's oh here we uh, go <laughs> yeah right what so, at a um, time like this at a time like this <laughs> um so uh yeah i was like because i don't i mean i i i understand what conceptual art is but i can't describe it in like a accurate language necessarily i'm sure there's like vocabulary about it that i'm not aware of um so i'm just gonna read a couple of things here conceptual yeah. art also referred to as conceptualism according to wikipedia is an art isms <laughs> i just love a good ism is an art in which the concepts or ideas involved in the work take precedence over traditional aesthetic technical or material concerns so I think what I like about this is the fact that it doesn't follow rules and you can really be free to use any kind of construct that you need to get apart some get get across some concept that you're trying to convey. Right, right. Um, the idea is the most important aspect of the work. When an artist uses a conceptual form of art, it means that all of the planning and decisions are made beforehand and the ex execution is a perfunctory affair. The idea becomes a machine that makes the art. I'm, I'm, I've seen a lot of art like this. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's really cool that like conceptual art is sort of self-examining yes. uh, or self-reflective. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. I think I, I enjoy art that's self-aware. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. so, uh, uh, apparently, um, well, apparently, uh, conceptual art's been around for some time uh early like 1970s or late 1960s somebody named joseph kosath uh wrote art after philosophy um and that was where the idea that art should like be self-aware art should examine itself or like interrogate itself came from and then i think things just sort of took off after that um one of the famous pieces of conceptual art is Marcel Duchamp's uh, Duchamp's Fountain. Yes, yes. Which was made like well before the seventies. That was like basically the nineteen twenties or something. When was that? I nineteen seventeen. So I um that artwork that I think I've uh, that uh, art that I had in a gallery. Yes. Um, the yes. sculpture. I wrote a paper about well, like part of submitting it to the. So more backer. So I, when <laughs> I was in college, I had a, um, a in U.S. Uh, education system, or at least in U.S. four-year universities, you often have to take classes that are outside of your major because it's about like a broad education, right? Like, so you have to take like art classes, even though you're doing sciences or I mean, you don't have to take art classes, but you have to take something that's not what you're studying. And so sure. I took this sculpture class and, um, uh, one of the pieces I made was this, uh, this like knitted, knitted like really large knitted scarf that had um, it was like that sort of, sort of like creamy white like, um, sort of cream colored uh, wool for the most or yarn, mm -hmm. for the most part, except that I had a really blood dark red yarn woven into it in a way that kind of made it look like blood. 
right? Yeah, and so that's cool. Yeah, and so I kind of draped it over this this sort of rocking chair and had like a tea set that it kind of like interacted with, and and then it was all placed on a on a rug that made it, you know, and it was an homage to my grandmother. Like that was the point because she was somebody who like taught me to knit, and mm-hmm. so um, when I was asked to submit it to this like competition that they had like this university competition. My professor is yes. like, okay, but you're gonna have to write a paper. And like, I think he was expecting me to be like, Oh fuck that. But I was like, at this point, this was like my second attempt to like finish my degree. And so, um, I was like, fucking yeah, I'll write a paper. Like what about art? Great. Let's do it. I mean, not, not yeah. to be cocky in the sense, like, I'm not saying I wrote like an amazing paper. It's just churning out 2000 words was no longer, like my I, my stumbling block of where I was in my education like that's sure yeah, like that's what I mean like not it was achievable it, it was, was like, yeah I was like had- this is this is a great thing I'm into it like let me yep. you know and I'll work up this paper and so I worked up this paper and and uh uh Dusha's uh his um his fountain was one of the one of the reference pieces that I I <laughs> what is it, like retroactively like referenced as like influence in my artwork like you know it was nice yeah but it was um it, it was pretty fun so yeah it, i that was uh if you're not familiar with dusha's fountain mm-hmm. um it's like a it's a urinal it is yeah so it's an old style urinal um which i mean it's just a urinal like it's it yeah looks it's just like, a toilet it's just like a grab a toilet and then write on it yeah and then <laughs> and it's like it's turned on its on its back so like the part that would fix to the wall is now laying on the like on the surface like on the plinth or Mm -hmm. wherever it was in display on display um and the bowl that you would pee into is now elevated lifted into the air right and so you kind of like if you're standing looking at it like from the like from the top of the urinal you could like stand on the side and look down through the urinal like at the bottom of it and then he's just written on the side of it um in and it just says uh r mutt 1917 um why are mutt? Do you know what the di- what the story is behind the name? Um, so, unfortunately, the original was lost. Um, but there's a replica of it in the Tate. Uh, it, it, there's a 1964 replica in the Tate, um, and uh, the um, it's just a signature. And I think um, I think. I'm trying to remember. So the whole point of it, it's been a while. Um, the point of it was that um, it, like he was trying to kind of like make this point where he, I think he submitted it to, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to look from Wikipedia. So I'm not giving like incorrect information. So, okay. um, so according to one version, like there's different ideas. So rumors spread that Dusha was working on a, a cubist painting titled uh, Tulip Hysteria Coordinating um, in, oh, okay. in preparation for the largest exhibit exhibition of modern art ever to take place in the United States. Um, and so when Tulip Hysteria Coordinating did not appear at the show, those who accepted expected to see it were disappointed but the painting likely never existed. According to one version, the creation of Fountain began when accompanying when accompanied by artist Joseph Styla and art collector Walter Arnsberg, uh, Duchat purchased a standard uh, Bedfordshire model urinal from the J.L. Mott Ironworks um, on Fifth, ah. Fifth Avenue. Yeah. And so... Um, 
Yeah, so it's not mutt. I think it's mott. Yeah, our, but okay, so let's see. So then he says, the artist bought the urinal uh, to, or he, then the article states, or goes mm-hmm. on to say, um, he brought the, so Dushaw brings the, uh, the urinal back to his studio on uh, West 67th Street. So this is all in New York. Um, reoriented it 90 degrees, so like laid it on its back um, uh, from its original intended position of use and wrote, it uh, wrote on it R. Mutt 1917. Uh, Dushaw mm-hmm. then elaborated, and so this is supposedly a quote from him. Um, it is cited twice in Wikipedia, but to save listeners' time, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole at the moment. So the quote reads um, <laughs> Mutt comes from Mott Works, the name of a large sanitary equipment manufacturer, but Mott was too close, so I altered it to Mutt. Alter the uh, after the daily cartoon strip Mutt and Jeff, which appeared at the time and with which everyone was familiar. Thus, from the start, there was an interplay of Mutt, a fat little funny man, and Jeff, a tall thin man. I wanted an old name, and I added Richard, French slang for money bags. That's not a bad name for a pisotera. Get it? Uh, I think that's a French word for... Um, uh, yeah, for public urinal. Yeah. Yeah. How so is it, P- how is it P-I-S-S-O-T-I-E-R-E. Um with the Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. What's the Pisotier. what's the yeah, um what's yeah. the tick over the E called? It's a ac- uh accent Yeah. Accent aigu, I think. <laughs> yes. Great. Well, I can't I like it. Let me see. French accents. Yeah. There's accent aigu, accent grave, um, Oh, okay. And well, I can't it's a, it's a, is. it's a mark. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's, a, it's one of the fracks. <laughs> oh, the and then there's, marks. there's yeah. aigu, uh, accent aigu, accent grave, and accent circonflexe. Ah, okay. And that's my terrible French, French pronunciation of those three words. <laughs> amazing though. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so he said, uh, he want, so he says, I wanted an old name and I added mm-hmm. Richard, French slang for money bags. Yep. That's not, and then he, uh, period. That's not a bad name for a public urinal. Get it? The opposite of poverty, but not even that much, just R dot mutt. And so, sure. yeah. So, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so he's, so at the time, uh, Dushaw was a board member of the Society of Independent Artists. After much debate by the board members, most of whom, whom did not know that Dushaw had submitted this piece as he mm-hmm. submitted the work under a pseudonym about whether the piece was or was not art. Fountain was hidden from view during the show. Dushaw resigned from the board and withdrew Tulip Hysteria Coordinated in protest. For this reason, the work was suppressed. Um, so... So as you can see, like th- this work in particular, I think it's kind of, um, I mean, the reason that I cited it at the time was to talk about um, this shift in in what was like, what the fuck is considered art? And his whole thing is like, mm-hmm. you know, that was like, is this art, right? Like, that's the question. Um, sure. So, sure. Um, yeah. you know, and, and like fucking who cares but also like we care <laughs> let's talk about it you know right um. yes <laughs> i like that yeah uh i was reading um so i kind of went i i jumped over um to a hyperlink 
to another Wikipedia article that is um, found objects. Oh, cool. So found art, found objects, um, also known as ready-made, which was what Marcel Duchamp called his work. Yes, yeah. The, the toilet, ready-made, which he borrowed from ready-to-wear, which in French is prêt-à-porter, or porter. I can't pronounce French. It's I studied it for six years, and then I lost it. That's okay. Anyway, it means ready-to-wear. Yeah. And, um, and I guess it's just kind of like making art out of things that already exist. In other words, making trying to express a concept through things that are already here and like assembling them. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I think is a really interesting. Um, it's an interesting avenue of art to pursue and understand and look and learn about and see what other people have. How people have used that to express their feelings, their ideas, their thoughts, their existences. Like it's yeah. very. Um, it's kind of wonderful because like reading about Duchamp it's like like this art piece brings us to this understanding of this moment in his life where he was interacting in this like society in this way like there he is in New York like part of this um you know part of this like art board or this like society of independent artists and Mm -hmm. you know like like pushing up against boundaries with them and being like well what the fuck do you guys know here's a fucking urinal tell me about that Um, yeah and you know and it, it's uh it's interesting because like i think that um i i think that pushing on boundaries is amazing and also terrible like it's if it's considered it's amazing and i think that one of the reasons that this is um probably so like so famous is because it was clearly considered like he he has this is like he looked at something and like made a consideration and was like there's the boundary that i want to push on i'm knocking on this door for this reason and here's my thing whereas Mm -hmm. opposed to like meeting somebody in life where it's just like they're really hard to be around because they just push on boundaries constantly (laughs) you know they're like there's a boundary there i'm gonna smash it and it's like yeah like you know one in ten you're smashing a boundary that we're all like excited about and the rest of the time we're all fucking annoyed because you know fences make good neighbors like having you know (laughs) so (laughs) moats with fucking sharks with fucking laser beams on their fucking heads right (laughs) right i mean it like i mean chesterton's fence right like that's kind of what this is it's like yeah take the fucking fence down if you know why it was there in the first place mm-hmm. if you don't know why it's there and you're just taking it down you're an asshole you're an asshole don't be an asshole like even even if you were right you know what i mean like i still yeah. would argue kind of a dick you just happened to luck out and this worked out for you and i'm sure i've been that person like i'm not you know <laughs> i'm not saying i'm some mr like you know ultimately like aware of everything and perfectly behaved all the time Ned, um. Mr. <laughs> aware of everything. That's right, Mr. Aware of everything. That's what we're going to that's going to be your memoir title. See, I've also started collecting memoir titles because I want to actually I have a, mm, but I want to go to grad school for this and study aware of everything and become doctor aware of everything. Doctor aware of everything. <laughs> that I mean, think of all of the branding and trademarking we could do with that. Oh, uh, yeah. Think of all the diet pills we could sell. Oh, now we're talking. That's the important thing. Selling Think of all the pills. weird, like <laughs> off-label, <laughs> uh, <laughs> questionable supplements of questionable provenance that we could hawk. Mm-hmm. Just like, I mean, that should be our new aspiration. Beating um, what's his face at his own game. Uh, 
crazy person from Texas who used to be somewhat entertaining and then just kind of went off the deep end. Oh my gosh, Damon knows him. A doctor? No, the like toxic Alex Jones. Alex Jones. <laughs> Wait, Damon knows Alex Jones. Well, they. <laughs> I mean, before he was famous, oh, I gotcha. Alex yeah, Jones, yeah, he was right. a local Austin. That's right. I remember him. T- yes. So, like a lot yeah, of people yeah, yeah. know him. Yeah. Because gotcha. he, he would drive around in his car and like he had a megaphone and he yes. would just like yell shit out the window like your government is something or other. <laughs> and the fucked up thing is that like before he went completely bananas yeah um and like just unscrupulous over the top unverifiable shit he was he said he had a lot of shit to say about waco and he wasn't wrong mm. i mean even a stopped clock is right twice right today but yeah uh as the saying goes but um the criticisms that he levied about waco as far as I understand, I haven't sat and listened to like, you know, um, archives of Alex Jones or anything like that. But Damon was telling yet, me about yet, it. And but that's he on was the like, back when that happened, he, it was like, I don't think under pe- other people really understood how fucked up that situation was. And it wasn't f- fucked up just because it was a cult. It was the way that the United States government handled it was r- a big clusterfuck. Like, yeah. not good. Right. Not good at all. Really not good. And um, Alex Jones was like, covered it and talked about it um and, and i don't really think in i think in ways that other people weren't doing at the time or something and so there was some merit to what he was saying even if he was a controversial figure at that point i think but yeah. i don't think he was i think that was too early anyway yeah he was in like a richard linklater film um whichever one that was maybe it was a, it was the i think it was the one before a scanner darkly uh that had kind of like a, a waking life waking life oh yeah Huh. I mean, not um, that I remember he was in there. I just remember that movie. Yeah. So I, it was kind of funny because like, so Damon and I have known each other since 2016. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, he's been telling me about Alex Jones the whole time we've known each other, you know, like just right. more and more keeps coming out. It's not like he's being secretive about right, anything, right. but it's like, how often does it come up? And I mean, when so you, if the way you said that, I'm imagining he's just like, I fucking told you, I've been telling you this, but I, I know, I know Damon well enough to know that he's just like, when it comes up and it's topical, he's like, oh yeah, Alex Jones, this thing when right, I was yeah. like, you know, 15 or I, you know, I don't know right. how old he was, but right. Yeah. And so, uh, we, we were talking about this stuff. He was like, um, yeah, here, like here, listen to this kind of like funny thing. And so I'm listening to <laughs> this thing that Alex Jones, some Alex Jones recording. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I, Am I like a crazy psycho? Because he hasn't said anything to me that I find alarming yet. And then like it was like five minutes into the video when I said this and Damon's like, just wait. And, just and like wait. almost immediately <laughs> after I said that, I, he was like, and and something else. And I was like, whoa, what a hard right turn that just happened there. Um, you know, it was like, I, uh, you should be suspicious of your, like people who are trying to tell you what to do or whatever. I'm like, I, yes, that they clearly have a motive. So (laughs) figuring out what that is might be helpful or I don't know. It was just stuff that wasn't like completely off the map. And then, and then it, and then it went off the map. Oh, that's funny. And I was like, Oh, there it is. (laughs) Yep. We do disagree on quite a bit. Alex Jones turns out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex Jones is what Alex Jones is doing conceptual art. No, it's just snake oil sales. Yeah. I mean, that's where, you know, I, I, I think when I said like, Oh, is this, you know, is this art or is it not? Is this art or is this bullshit? Like, 
you know, any any art discussion, is it worth it or is it garbage? Um, that's the problem with most like abstract ideas, right? Like one could argue that it is a kind of weird abstract art that Alex mm-hmm. Jones is doing, but that doesn't um, like is the, the real question is like, is it worth discussing, discussing, discussing and does discuss. That, discuss. Yeah. Is it worth the discuss? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh anyway i don't know i don't know what i was saying with that doesn't really matter um art yeah fucking cool shit the um i mean i really like i really like art that like um you have to try and figure out how to use it yeah yeah you you like walk up to dan graham stuff and you're not immediately like oh i see what's going on here you're like what is wait what's happening now Uh because it's there he these built environments that he makes are meant like i kind of think of a lot of his sculpture as a built environment because you go into the sculptures in some cases right right um like the gate of hope and uh some of the other stuff like those stuff he has at the walker like it's fair to say that you actually enter into the artwork when you are interacting with it um and i kind of i really like that sort of like in out sort of transformation that happens like now you're inside the art now you're outside the art now you're inside the art now you're outside the art yes yeah yeah i really enjoy that um i think uh a lot of dan graham stuff looks like that like there's a whole section on wikipedia um that refers to uh his pavilions um yeah and so uh you know and that section just starts off with some of the some of graham's artworks are said to blur the lines between sculpture and architecture um and when you kind of look at there's a list of selected pavilions and there's quite a few um that you know start start way back in 19 or like you know reach back into like 1978 roughly Mm -hmm. um or maybe a little earlier but i think that's the earliest date i see they're not in chronological order on this list so hard to know for sure but um well i'm not gonna spend i'm not gonna bore you with going through here anyway um <laughs> um dan graham did say something that's fucking cool yeah uh, just the one thing just the one thing i'll tell you about um art news talks about his puppet rock and roll performance at the kitchen oh cool yeah so apparently uh his his puppet rock and roll show was called don't trust anyone over 30. Nice. Uh, and it was at the kitchen, which I think is like a famous art space in New York. Um, yeah. or was, uh, he, ex- Dan Graham, the, the thing that he presented in the kitchen that night said that, uh, he said was recorded from a performance at the Walker art center. So it must've been at, Maybe it, where his art is now at the at the Walker yeah. that you can just go and interact with the art. Wa- the Walker Art Center in Minneapolis is like a contemporary modern art museum, and then has a, a it has an indoor component to it, like it's a building. But then also there is a big, massive outdoor sculpture park that you can just walk around in uh, for free. It's yeah. not you don't have to pay money. Um, <clears throat> And uh, a lot of what they have is really like avant-garde and strange and sort of like um, challenging art. Like it's not obvious, you know, you don't walk in and it's like, oh, 30 paintings of like fucking vegetables on a table 
or like, oh, here's pictures of naked women. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. It's like, what? Well, I'm not even sure what I'm looking at right now. In fact, the Walker Art Center itself is kind of an interesting building because it was um, renovated and they put cladding on the outside, this like weird silver cladding. I don't think we ever drove past it when you were visiting, but we will. We'll go to that. We'll just take oh, cool. a tour of all of the sculpture parks while yes, you're here. Yes, I'm in. Um, yeah. And uh, so um, the outside of the Walker Art Center building itself has this metal cladding and it looks like, to me, like a giant robot monkey head. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is what I tell people when I give instructions. Like, You're going to see this building that looks like a giant robot monkey head. That's um, great. But yeah, so this art that he did uh, at the at the kitchen was, um, it was a show that takes place during the 1960s. And it involves a 35-year-old presidential candidate named Neil Skye, which he modeled after Neil Young. And um, the title of the performance came from Jack Weinberg, who was an artist at UC Berkeley. Uh-huh. And he was a member of this free speech movement in the 60s. And when Dan Graham started making his art, it was in the 1960s. Um, and he says of his own play, the plot is loopy and absurd and inspired by Billy Wilder's comedies. And mostly he just did it for fun because all art should be fun. All yeah. art should be for fun. And all I love should- that. Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Um the puppets in the play take LSD and then there's a graphic <laughs> pu- puppet <Sorry>. sex scene <laughs> and <laughs> a dog named Eisenhower that wears a cardboard sign that says hi. Uh-huh. On it. And um like H I G H G H like I'm yeah, high like I'm, like, high, I'm a dog high. that got high uh-huh. um and so it's a weird it's very weird and like the the puppet um the puppet named uh Neil Sky ends up getting elected president and then like he signs the presidency over to a ten year old uh huh and it's about like whatever pop culture youth culture in the 60s but yeah, um yeah. i don't know it's, it sounds pretty great <laughs> right, right. <laughs> i don't know uh and uh he at the end of the story at the end of the play um he said that a band named japanther who i've heard of yeah um took over and stole the show but i guess young people do this i guess young people do this <laughs> He said the incoherence of don't trust anyone over 30 is part of its charm uh-huh. and that the script for the performance will be a book and that he was done talking and then everybody else just sat there waiting for him to say something else. And he's like, okay, we'll support the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. I love that. I love that his like, like he's not that, that really, it seems like he's not super upset that these people like took over the show. He's just like, I guess young people do that. Whatever. Right. Moving on. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like they they have I think they had something to do with the play itself, but then at the end it just like the play sort of stops being a play and they just start showing a rock show, having a rock show instead. <laughs> it's like play's over, we're going to just play music now. That's fantastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> Super funny. Apparently, somebody yeah. named Todd Haynes, yeah. who I'm familiar with as a name, but I don't I didn't know about this part about Todd Haynes is that he did a Karen Carpenter biopic or biopic, depending on who you ask for the pronunciation, uh-huh. called Superstar, which was also staged with puppets. Really? 
<laughs> I would so watch a Karen Carpenter superstar it's stage play stage. with puppets. Right, about right. Frail little Karen Carpenter. Oh, poor woman. Funny. I was thinking um, how, uh, what did he say? He said art is art should be for fun. Yes, he said, well, let me get the exact quote here. Uh, all art should be for fun. Yeah, I was thinking about how that kind of ties into some of our really early podcast episodes when we were talking about um, like what it means to play because we were talking about like game design and yes. we were talking about um, that concept of play and like I was thinking like I was like well what does fun even mean um, yeah but I, I definitely agree with it and I think like that uh, we should maybe consider doing some more podcasts in that realm because I really enjoy having those conversations. I mean, I'm enjoying this conversation, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking <clears throat> about that. Um, I was also thinking about, uh, shoot, there was some other connection, but my brain is like, eh. <laughs> It'll come around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, but yeah, puppets, puppet theater is pretty interesting. Um I knew a woman who did puppet theater. Uh, she was pretty cool. She was, she had a really, like she did puppets for kids. Um, nice. Yeah. I really, I thought that was pretty great. Um, I fucking I, love puppets. I love large scale puppets. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We need to, I, I think we need to like, like maybe try to push forward our idea of uh, the Socrates sock puppet um, oh, theater yeah. situation. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I really enjoy, there's a May Day parade in Minneapolis, um, every year at the yeah. beginning of May, uh, first weekend in May and it's in Powderhorn Park in, uh, in the surrounding neighborhoods in Minneapolis and the Heart of the Beast Puppet Theater does the parade. Like people from the neighborhood and from all over the place go and can sign up and work in puppet building workshops. And so like they bring all these puppets out for this parade and some of them are huge. They're like two stories tall or like, you know, require multiple groups of people to hold different pieces of the puppet together. And so like oh, they cool. wander around. So you have like a bunch of people supporting the head and then there's arms that come off of it. Yeah. And yeah. Different sets of people holding either arm on a post. And so cool. it, like the parts kind of move independently of each other. Cause there's a bunch of different people uh -huh. in like a hive mind controlling these giant puppets. It's so fucking cool. That's really awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love how um, I love the way that puppets like strike my mind like the way and what I mean by that is like like they're obviously fake there's nothing about it and yet it's this like immediate cry for the suspension of disbelief like mm -hmm. if you like even someone who's not that great at puppetry like amazing puppetry can really like be a really a sight to behold but even someone who's like you know it's like it, that puppet's not moving like you watch the Muppets these puppets aren't moving with like human like anatomy like they're ridiculous yeah. like that um that gif I send all the time of Kermit just like waving his arms yes. in the air like a nut job like that like there's this like this weird kind of not weird but like unique expression that they can convey where it's like yeah like it is alive but it's not like I know that there are people doing this and yet it's like it's like a cartoon it's, kind of yeah like because these objects like these inanimate objects are suddenly imbued with 
all of the behavioral characteristics yes, yes. and the mannerisms of people and exactly. so they're like yeah. anthropomorphized yes it's like this like beautiful anthropomorphizing of like our our environment that i think is like kind of wonderful mm-hmm totally yeah oh my god when so did you ever watch fraggle rock oh yeah i love fraggle rock fucking love fraggle rock i my favorite characters in all fraggle rock were the doozers the doozers yes <laughs> because they're so industrious and they're building all uh-huh. this stuff and then the fraggles come by and like rah, rah, and eat it all or <laughs> yes, whatever yes. and i always felt bad for them <laughs> yes. because i was like they have been working really fucking hard on that right right, right. god damn it right i know it's delicious but and that's Please. that like that's it's funny how I, I think that's like a beautiful kind of storytelling right because like as a kid yeah. <laughs> you identify the like plight of these characters right yeah and like you learn about it in a way that some adult isn't just like don't do that because I tell you not to you learn right. that it's like have consideration when you go destroy some shit that's in front of you. Like when you go fucking remove that fence, maybe consider it because someone maybe mm-hmm. have worked, has worked really hard on putting that fence there for some reason. Right. Right. Maybe, 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 maybe there's a reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you, were you a fan of the Muppet movies when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think all Muppet things, I, there was nothing. I mean, I think the, only thing i really the only puppet i had a hard time with was probably lady elaine oh i don't which one was that from um mr rogers oh lady elaine yes for some reason i thought you said lydia lane no, Liddy, and i was like lydia i don't lane. remember you any know lydia lane. come on our childhood <laughs> called lydia lane. no lady lady elaine you, um, did she freak you out yeah i just found her voice really grating and yes and i found her to be very um i i just didn't find her like there was nothing about what she said ever that like like rung with me mm-hmm. and i don't know if it was just like hard like i can't remember now so and it's certainly possible that it did in a way that was great because i know yeah. like a lot of everything that he produced was always just like really well considered and like very thoughtful um yeah but I but you're I not just, the only person who said this. Like yeah. I hardcore identify with Lady Elaine. Yeah. I'm like, yep, that's me. I if I had to be a character on Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, I would be that that would be the character. That or the who's Mr. McFeely, the mailman? Uh yes, Mr. McFeely was the mailman. I yep. really dug him too. And I also really I, yeah. identified with feeding the goldfish every time on the episode. Oh yes! Extreme yeah. regularity really like gotta feed those goldfish. Feed uh-huh. the goldfish. There goes the trolley. There's Lady Elaine or whatever. Like it's right. just the the like the doozers and they're like right angles. I'm like, yep, this makes sense. Let's just keep doing this. This this feels good, right? <laughs> just like my obsessive compulsive coming through. Uh huh. Even when I was a kid, like, oh my god. Speaking of, like, uh, I don't know why this reminded me of this, but um, did I tell you about like? <laughs> How I was talking to Damon about alternative views of math. No. So this is, this is, you'll find this amusing, I think. Um, So like the more complicated the math is, the more like if you've got a really complicated concept and you're trying to explain it mathematically. Yes. um, If I, I look at math and I'm like, I don't 
I'm not fluent in mathematical language. And so like calculus doesn't make sense to me and I can't remember how to do quadratics and all this other shit. If I had to, I, if, like if I was explaining to somebody who didn't know what math was at all, like an alien who visited from another planet and mm-hmm. you're like, but aliens must use math to get from another planet. And I'm like, maybe, I don't know, but let's just pretend they don't know what math is for a second, but they can talk to me nonetheless. And I'm like, aliens, check out what we have here this and you know i imagine like picturing myself in front of like a wipe off board that has like complicated mathematical equations describing like how to get across the universe or something yeah like this is very important math and you can tell because there's lots of lines in it yeah (laughs) i mean there's lots of numbers but don't pay attention to the numbers so much as like the lines below or in between or like around the numbers like the more lines there are in math the more you know you're talking about something very complicated and probably very important (laughs) and so damon's like i don't understand and i was like just listen like we watch a lot of stuff on youtube and we watch all stuff about like physics and uh, all kinds of like uh like the 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 channel that brady does with like six whatever symbols 64 symbols or something like that i can't remember what it is yeah but anyway it's all about math uh, the whole thing is about math and we're like they're talking about how you write out the long form equation of like relativity you know yeah yeah. And and like uh, before you get it down to the shorthand of E equals MC squared and Damon and I were sitting there and I was like, see when they expand on it, like look at all the fucking lines in this math. Uh-huh. There's lines everywhere. The other thing I would tell aliens is, you know, that shit gets really fucking complicated when there's teeny tiny numbers next to other numbers, but they're like up high. Uh huh. Or maybe down a little bit lower. If there's number, <laughs> tiny numbers up high or tiny this. numbers down below, you're in trouble. I mean, you need an expert to help you decode what that means. I I really love this like interpretation of it, um, or not <laughs> interpretation. This like conte- contextualization of it, right? Like I I love that. Um, there's some clues that you can gather from this math, even if you have no idea what the math is telling you. Uh huh. Basically, on the order of how complicated it is. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, math is a funny thing. It is it. It's a language on in and of itself. And I think, um, f- like, I think I recently had like kind of this like uh, funny interaction where um, <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said he was like, "I really, I love math, but I'm just, I, I just not very good at it or something." And and I remember thinking like and i said to him i was like well just because i oh i was i at the time i'd been like really into something that i'd learned about like some some equation of like terms that like related some physical phenomenon or something or Uh some concept and i was talking to him about it and he was like oh i really love this and i was like and then he said something that was like kind of like wow but i'll never be able to do any of this and i was like just because you don't swim in the deep end doesn't mean you don't like to go to the pool like you can so true like you can go and you can read about it and it like like try not to like beat yourself up about the fact that you maybe don't follow all of the math right away Mm -hmm. or at Mm -hmm. all like you don't if it bothers you just try to find the things you like about it go to do Khan academy yeah the way they fucking explain math is great yeah and there's really i i think that um math has really had a great uh, the internet has been good for math because I think it's allowed people to be exposed to different ways of thinking about the same concept so that they yeah. can relate to it 
and they can get better understanding of those concepts because I think math is hard on many levels. Like on one level, it builds on itself. Mm-hmm. There's really, there's rules and they're there for a reason and you can gloss over why they're there, but eventually it's going to come back to bite you if you don't understand why that, why, yeah. why you do it the way you do it because, you know, you're going to get to a point where you're just like, well, you know, I don't actually understand the way this thing works. And so I'm not, I'm not <laughs> able to, I'm not able to work this equation the way it needs to be, you know, handled. So, right. um, anyway, I, that's we've, a little hand wavy, but yeah. we figured out all of the, of the, the like loads that this building has to bear. Um, but we're not sure about the math. So it's probably fine. <laughs> it's probably fine. <laughs> what could go wrong? I mean, what do you need to know about math to just stack some stuff on some stuff? Oh, right. <laughs> like staple it together. <laughs> it's fine. Right. Is what you're attaching to itself heavier than you? It'll hold you up then. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I I uh, I have made the point several times now to Damon about the complicated math, and he does see what I'm referring to. I'm like, see, look, like, yeah. just pause the show, and I will point to all of the light. Look, here's a line, here's a line. These lines go around in like a bubble shape. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most people only pay attention to the numbers. They're so hyper-focused on the numbers, and I'm like, but the lines are the relationships between the numbers. Mm-hmm. The lines are literally telling you how these numbers relate to each other. That's right, so much have, more important. Right. Right. It, it is in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. a lot of times you look at it and it's like, I don't know. I mean, if you look even at um, like some of the like general force equations for Einstein's relativity, speaking of, there's yep. um, there's terms that are uh, relating sort of gravi- gravity and mass and you don't necessarily know what these terms are because they're just letters, but you can see that they're like that somehow gravity and mass has a relation that's related right. to some under underlying number or underlying value. Right. And so, yeah, it's just anyway. Um, yeah. Fucking cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, also I forgot to mention, I have baby grasshoppers living in my house. <laughs> And I haven't seen the intermittent mouse for a long time. I think it may be warm enough outside that he's just like, fuck it. I don't have to go inside anymore. And he's he like, there's, uh, there's way time. better food out there. I'll see you later. Yeah. 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 I haven't yeah. seen him in a long time. Meanwhile, I mean, I've never seen him. I've just seen evidence of him as little footprints. And I haven't seen those in a long time. Meanwhile, those little baby grasshoppers are pretty adorable. You sent a photo. And they, I was like, I'm like, these are bugs, <gasps> but they're little tiny baby bugs. And they're kind of cute. They're so tiny. They're the size of an ant right now. I yeah. found one on my yoga mat <laughs> yeah. the other morning when I was exercising because I have like a white uh, towel that I put down over it. Right. So I can just swap out the towels really easily and launder them instead of having to like, like all these people who are like, just spray it on your yoga mat with some diluted tea tree oil and water. I'm like, no, no, it's a disgusting sponge. Yeah, just you're just spraying more shit onto the sponge. It never comes back out again. So I don't want to do that. So I got these towels that like are the exact measurement and I just lay them down over the top of it and they're white. And so there was this tiny little, I saw something like a chunk of something on the mat and I was like, got my little face down to it. I was like, what are you? And it was a tiny, tiny, tiny little, tiny little grasshopper. And I was like, what? And I tried to grab him and he jumped so high. Mm -hmm. 
he jumped right over my hand. And so I've been catching them all over my living room and taking them over to the plants. Like they're destroying a, a right. plant that's in my house, yeah. but it's fine. It's a basil plant. It will grow back healthier than it was to start with. Sure. Um, yeah. And so for right now, all these little, <laughs> all these tiny little grasshoppers, they must have hatched from a plant that I brought into overwinter yeah. from outside that wouldn't have survived the Minnesota winter. And so they just, a, a, a horde of them showed up. I mean, they're cute now. I can understand how this becomes a biblical plague at full size. Really quick. Yeah. Um, Real quick. Maybe that's a good segue to the idea I had, which is if they <gasps> are just eating the basil plant um, and people do eat grasshoppers and mm -hmm. would they taste like basil? See, this is an interesting question. I I don't know if I can chomp on one. I'm not I'm not suggesting you do. I just it just popped into it's my head. A, it's yes. like because I, I was just the other day somebody mentioned about how um maybe we were talking on one of the other podcasts about yeah. um we've recorded a lot in the last couple of days, which is fantastic. Uh the um the idea that that insects are a very efficient way to create proteins, like complex ah, proteins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, how many insects do you have to eat to get a decent serving of protein? I I don't know. Like, I I haven't done like any actual follow up to see whether that statement was true or like what mm -hmm. that actually means. Um, I just it was rolling around in my head that it was like, oh, if there is this like this push, or at some mm -hmm. point, like insects become more of our daily diet. There's, I think there's actually a handful of insects that are like pretty staple diet of American diet, but we don't know it because they're ground up into dye or whatever flavoring or whatever they're ground up into. Yeah, cochineal bugs. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I was just thinking like, you know, oh, well, if you can uh, if you can raise some basil grasshoppers, maybe uh, basil grasshoppers are actually kind of tasty. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, this makes a lot of sense. Like cows that are finished on grass, for example, have a much different flavor to their yep. like meat or whatever than yep. other types of feed and... Gosh, yeah, I, that absolutely makes sense. Sure, yeah. And basil is so pungent. Like it's so basil pungent. essential right. oils. You would think I was actually very surprised that they were eating that plant. Yeah, because when I've had basil in my yard, I've never had anything attack it. Mm -hmm. And so I mean, same maybe actually, yeah. Like growing basil has always been one way that I've like you know, a basil in my garden means like less insects. Or less pests. Yeah. Not less insects. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was really surprised that they were eating it. They also have started chomping on some sunflowers that I was growing that just didn't really flourish indoors. Mm. It's hard to grow certain types of sunflowers because they have tap roots. Right. And these ones have just kind of languished. Some of mine are doing fine. Some have languished. Anyway, um, they've started it on that that those sunflowers in addition to the basil, they've blessedly left the ficus tree that I'm growing alone because yeah. ficus trees are so goddamn fussy. And the fact that this one is thriving yeah. makes me like, uh, I'm so protective of it. Um, I also got a maidenhair fern and I have failed repeatedly at ferns. There are certain things I cannot grow to save my life yeah. and other things I just like flourish and I barely have to take care of them. And for some reason poppies i cannot i have had zero luck growing poppies with the oh. exception of california poppies but none of the big like bread seed poppies or the the ones with oh. the really large heads or the peony poppies right, um, right or like icelandic poppies none of them i can't get any of them to grow i don't oh. know why everybody's like they're just so easy 
I'm like, <laughs> I have put down upwards of 50,000 fucking poppy seeds and I'm getting nothing. Uh-huh. And it's in areas where other things are growing. So I'm like, I know the ground isn't cursed. Oh, anyway. Um, yeah. the They have attacked the basil. They have attacked the the sunflowers. They have also eaten part of my canna lily, which... Oh. I was surprised by because that's a very thick leaf. I was like, how'd your little tiny teeth get around that? Little grasshopper teeth. Little teethies. Yeah. I mean, I don't Mandibles think Mandibles or whatever they have. Right. Yeah. They're so cute. But man, do they do a lot of damage in a very short amount of time. Holy yeah. smokes. Yeah. I had, I forget, I was driving somewhere in the Midwest and that was the first time I, I like drove through a cloud of grasshoppers and or Oof. locusts or whatever they were. And it was just like... Yeah oh now i get i get it like i mean i i knew before like i'd been told and i understood conceptually but to like drive through it you're like oh these things will like decimate a field of crops in like a day yeah and then (laughs) move on like just holy (laughs) shit yeah yeah fucking amazing so yeah they're cute now i mean i i haven't got like hundreds of them i've seen I would say maybe 10 at a time. Yeah. So there's probably plenty that I'm not seeing because they're so tiny, but um, largely they're they're on the plants near the windows. And so when it's warm enough, I'm just going to open the windows and put the screens up and like they're all going to hop right outside. Yeah, I'm sure they're yeah. all waiting basically to get outside. There's a bunch of box elder bugs that are like, let me out before I die. And then there's <laughs> like these grasshoppers that are like, I'm just getting started. Right. and they all need to exit the house as soon Uh, as possible and this whole fucking week it's freezing cold rain that's like oh is that ice on the windshield so uh, it's not they can't go outside there we are all here in spaceship far shore just Uh, just (laughs) waiting it out Uh, together uh, (laughs) uh, thank goodness there's an abundance of food in here mm -hmm. so yeah all right that's all i that's all i got fantastic well uh that is also an hour and um we'll still have to wait for color of the day a little longer um unfortunately because uh somebody has not done done the research team a solid so they're still on hiatus but we'll get them you know they're on essentially a unlimited unpaid vacation (laughs) yes unlimited unpaid vacation so (laughs) you know it's fine it's fine this is fine what could this go is wrong fine. everything is fine everything's fine uh cool cool well thanks for listening everybody and uh send us an email if you want to get a hold of us or have some thoughts or ideas about this podcast and if you made it to the very end amazing um yeah cool okay sweet sweet we okay bye okay bye